0: Welcome to your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. I'm Shelley Quallterie your host. This podcast was created for you, the woman who wants more in her life, for her family and in her relationships. We're going to spend time creating inspiration and motivation while providing you with tangible, practical strategies and tools for your life to find greater happiness, love and fulfillment. I will provide you with real life takeaways that have you not only thinking about, but taking action to create your fiercely fabulous life. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to episode three of your fiercely fabulous life podcast. Today, we are going to spend some time talking about emotions, the big emotions, the small emotions, what in the world are our emotions? How well do we know them? How well do we understand them? What does it mean to flip our lid? How do we name them to tame them? We're going to talk about lots of these things and I'm going to explain a bit more about emotion, how they show up what are our core five, and then give you some hints, tips, and ideas on how you can regulate these for yourself, as well as understanding them more, and for your children, and even everybody else in your world too, right? Because we all have emotions. We all have emotions. Sometimes they can take us over, like the wave that swoops us under, catches us, and just pulls us out to sea, kind of tumbles us back in. Sometimes doesn't it feel like that with our emotions? Other times, it can be just a little bit of a, you know, sweep up around our ankles. We feel it. We know that it's there, but how do we deal with these? If it's us, if it's our kids, if it's our partners. So today we're going to talk about all of these different things and figure out how to manage them as human beings. Obviously right now we are in a bit of a different time. We're going into week nine of isolation and being in this pandemic. So things can be looking and feeling different for us with our emotions. Now some interesting bit of research that I've been doing is that crisis and mental health calls have seen a 50 to 60% increase to help lines, mental health distress lines, crisis lines. That's huge. So we know that our emotions have a direct impact to our mental health and our mental wellness. So we know that that increase is significant. People are struggling right now We also know that there has been significant increase. I believe it's 26% increase in downloading apps to help manage our big emotions, to try and learn how to stay calm, to figure out how to manage these things that are taking us over a little bit. So let's get into it. What are emotions? What are our big emotions? My guess is that most if not all of you, would be able to say, well, it's anger, it's feeling sad, it's feeling happy. Yes, but there are five core emotions that we all learn growing up. That's anger, fear, disgust, sadness, and of course, joy. Who poor joy gets overshadowed oftentimes by those bigger emotions that we feel. Oftentimes, we see joy as being the one that is smaller in our corners when we are looking at the big things that are taking us over. And oftentimes, we minimize joy in our lives, which makes our emotion and our emotional state feel even more challenging sometimes. So when we take a look at these emotions, what do they actually mean? This is something I talk to my clients in private practice about all the time. If we don't understand and if we're not having the ability to name what our emotions actually are other than anger or sadness, how do we know what tools skills to pull out of the box to be able to manage the situation that's in front of us. So when we think about anger, anger is actually known as a secondary emotion because there is so much underneath anger. What it is, is that it's suppressing oftentimes feelings of frustration, feelings of being jealous, outraged, pressured, aggressive towards people. That is what sits under anger, feeling all of those big things. Then we talk about being scared of things. We hear our kids say this all the time, or even for us, I'm feeling fearful of this situation. I'm feeling scared about what this means for me, for my job, for my health, for my family, for you name it, right? But when we think about fear, what sits underneath fear are things like stress, being guarded, feeling insecure, feeling trapped or worried, even vulnerable, because those things are all scary to us. So when we can pick apart what fear actually means, come to the root of what's happening for us, taking bite-sized pieces, we can start building new tools and skills and making, like I say, counseling, bite-sized. When we think about sadness, we all feel sadness. We can all feel that emotion. All of these emotions we all feel, but coming to terms with naming them. Underneath of sadness, that can feel like regret, tired, disappointed, lonely, needy, rejected. These are all things that sit under our bubble of sadness. Of not being able to really understand, you know, where is that coming from? What does that mean for us? What does that feel like? Now, let's not forget about joy. Let's talk a little bit about joy. What does this mean? Because joy is happiness. It can allow us to feel hopeful. can allow us to feel loved. It can allow us to feel, you know, maybe even a little bit rebellious sometimes, right? We're thoughtful. It's kind. There's so many things that can come into joy. But why is this the one area that we tend to forget a little bit more about? Right? Yeah. So I know, and I'm hoping many of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I am feeling in some of these moments. So let's wrap up with our five emotions with our friend, disgust. It's not one that maybe we would think is one of our core emotions, but disgust really encompasses things like being hesitant around things, feeling judgmental around things, feeling disappointed and all around awful. So when we're thinking about disgust, many of us might label them by saying, I do feel awful today, or I'm feeling really hesitant about this, we may not even recognize that it is one of our real core emotions that we sit in quite often. So now that we've named our five core emotions, sadness, anger, disgust, fear, and joy, what do we think about these a little bit more when we are thinking about the big things that take us over? So being what we call in the counseling world, emotionally dysregulated. Some of you might be thinking, Oh my gosh, I've heard this so many times. Here we go again, this emotional dysregulating or regulating ourselves with our emotion in and around mindfulness. Yes, we do know mindfulness can help to regulate big emotions, right? That brain work that's happening. We're going to talk a little bit more about flipping our lid and the brain as we move forward. However, we also know that we are all born with a fight, fight or fleet freeze response. This is our physiological reaction to an event that we perceive our brain perceives as harmful, an attack, a threat or survival so it was first described by walter cannon many years ago and what happens when we are in our fight flight or freeze response is that we begin taking very shallow breaths they're stinted these breaths were not able to get these big belly breaths that we often hear When people are talking about yoga, when people are talking about breathing exercises, this is where that response, that mindfulness, people talk about regulating comes into play because our body physiologically reacts to an event that we perceive as a threat that changes our stress response when we are breathing to be able to kind of get into an attack mode so really we need to let our bodies understand that even though something feels big and heavy so to speak there's not a lion outside of our door we're able to step back and take a moment to be able to respond rather than react but that takes some practice and some tools so i am going to give you one breathing exercise to try out when you are starting to feel overwhelmed however what i say to people is that we don't practice these in the moment of the stress response in the moment of feeling attacked we need to be practicing this all the time to get good at it so the practice that i want to leave you with for this particular dysregulation to think just specifically about fight Flight and freeze right now is taking a big breath through your nose for a count of four, holding it for a count of one, then breathing out through your mouth for a count of six, holding it for one, and repeating. The fight, flight, and freeze response is your brain's protection for you. It's perceiving that threat. So we need to calm that down by taking, again, big breath through your nose for four, hold for one, out through your mouth for six, hold for one. Practice this when you're driving in the car. Get the kids to do this at dinner time. The more we can practice that regulation in calm moments, the more likely we are able to go to... These practices are tools when we feel that we're in these attack modes. So let's think a little bit about our emotions as parents, as grown-ups, as the adults in our home. When we have our children in our worlds, if we're parents and you're here listening to this, I want you to think a little bit about how your parents parented you. What were their emotions? How did they react? when big things were coming up. They have created a blueprint for you, for your adult self in how you're going to respond to big situations or little situations as we grow older. Now take a moment and think about you as a parent. If you are a parent, think about you as a partner. If you're a partner, think about you as a friend. We all have friends when something big is sitting in front of you and your emotions are growing and your emotions are being triggered whether that's anger whether that's sadness whether that's fear and all of those things we talked about that's sitting underneath of those i want you to think about how you respond how likely you react because many of us may not have been practicing a response rather than a reaction because we all come with predetermined blueprints that have come from our family of origin unless we are able to name them to target them to be able to label what it is we're thinking feeling and then how we're behaving It's going to be very challenging to find the tools. What I mean by that is that, let's say for example, your child yells at you about something, that they're feeling upset that they're feeling angry, or your partner yells at you about something, and you turn around and you yell back. We are mirroring for them how we think that this situation could go, particularly for our children. We are creating their blueprints for their daily life. We're adopting our behaviors and we're playing these out over and over again in all of these different situations, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our partners, whether it's with our friends. So recognizing, understanding how we can react or sorry, how we can respond rather than react because we have a deeper understanding of where our emotions are coming from and how they have been built in to our blueprints. We all are going to have and been raised in environments that bring us grief, that have had some type of loss, maybe rejection, maybe anger, and connection. That connecting piece is so important in human relationships. So, when we're feeling big and overwhelmed, we need to remember that our kiddos are mirroring what we are teaching them. Our kiddos are de- being developed little blueprints to take them forward, to move them forward with how to deal with tricky situations. So, We need to have some patience with ourselves in discovering our own blueprints and where we want to alter these. We need to have some persistence in practicing, understanding what these are, looking at a little bit deeper what they mean for us and how we are teaching these to our children and teaching others to treat us. By having open conversations, by building trust in our relationships and by being able to create a capacity and understanding to learn these tools and redevelop our blueprints. So as parents, when we are trying to regulate our children, whether they're our, the little baby in our arms or whether they are a youth It is our role to be able to teach them how to regulate. That's really hard to do if we don't understand how to do that for ourselves. So let's think about that little tiny baby that you brought home from the hospital those first couple of days. They're these little tiny beautiful bundles of joy that cry, they cry, we don't know what they need. So we try changing their diaper, we try feeding them. Are they too hot? Are they too cold? What do they need from us? Do they need more noise? Do they need less noise? Oh my gosh, I don't know how many different things when my guys were were small, when my daughter was tiny, when my sons were small, how many different things I tried to regulate them, to get them to stop crying, to see them laugh, to make them giggle. You know, when they were newborns to one to two, we do everything we can to try and regulate them, to see them in a place of joy and help them to feel good but as they start getting a little bit older toddlers who maybe have a little temper tantrum now and again or a teenager who is throwing some bad behaviors out skipping class maybe talking back their behaviors are still a form of dysregulation their blueprints are being formed But when we're dealing with these little tiny babies, these little tiny bundles of joy that we bring home and we would do anything for them to help them get to a place of being calm, giggling, and joyful, we forget as they get older that they still need this. They need to feel that support. They need to feel that encouragement. They need to feel regulated by you. By figuring out with them, what do they need? What is it that they are needing that looks different at six or seven than when they're 10, 11, or 13, or 14? Their behaviors are their words. They're dysregulated and they don't know necessarily those big five core emotions of how to manage and deal with those. Their blueprints aren't fully developed and designed yet. You still have the ability to do that with them. So instead of punishing them, we need to seek to understand what is going on for them. Just like we did when they were little, when they were these tiny new bundles of joy that we brought home from the hospital. We need to spend some time, lots of time, patience and persistence, talking with them to find out how can we help them understand these big emotions and regulate what is going on for them. So as they get older, they turn it up. They turn up the heat. They turn up the, the challenge that they're giving to you because they're trying to tell you something. They need your support. So our role as parents is to spend time teaching them how to self-regulate. And sometimes we're a hot mess. (laughs) We need to figure out what's underneath those five core emotions to regulate ourselves as well. But what happens, we can get to this place where we rupture, we explode. So we call this flipping our lids. This is something that Dan Segal uh, came up with a model a hand model called flipping our lid so what does it mean to flip your lid so just fold your thumb into your palm and put your four fingers over top of your thumb I want you to think about this as being your brain I want you to think about your thumb as being your middle brain your midbrain, the emotional brain Okay, so your thumb tucked in under your fingers is your midbrain where all of your emotions, your memories are processed. And this is where our fight, flight, and freeze response sits and is triggered. However, because we have our beautiful four fingers covering up our midbrain, our thumb, our fingers are our cerebral cortex. It's our rational brain. It houses our ability to think and to be able to reason. When we think about and look at our hand and our fingernails, our fingernails are known as our prefrontal cortex in our hand model of flip the lid. Okay. So our prefrontal cortex is problem solving. So What happens when we flip our lid is our prefrontal cortex, our problem solving is not connecting well with our midbrain. We're not able to access with our fingers through to being rational. So what happens is that we flip our lid. We flip our lid. So again, our thumb is our midbrain our emotional brain that is tucked underneath of our fingers fingers being our rational brain and our fingernails being our problem solving tools what happens when we get angry when we get upset when we go into big dysregulated emotions fight flight or freeze is we flip our lid so If you take your fingers and you flip them up so they're straight and your thumb is exposed, our thumb is our emotional brain. That is what is sitting out in the open. We need to be able to put our lid back on. Another way I want you to think about this, to be able to explain it, and this works really, really well with kids, and once we understand this hand model, once we understand how the brain works in this capacity, we will see the flipping of the lid occurring so much more regularly to be able to creep on in there, maybe I don't like that word creep, (laughs) to step in and support that person in front of us who is becoming dysregulated. So again, I want you to put your thumb on your palm of your hand and I want you to fold your fingers over. Now, I want you to think about for a moment what it's like when maybe you're cooking pasta on the stove that has a lid on it or potatoes on the stove that has a lid on it. The water starts bubbling and boiling, right? It starts out calm. We put everything in there. It's calm. It's flat. There's not a lot of bubbles happening. But then we start seeing it start to simmer. Then it's starting to bubble. What happens with that lid on the pot? We can see some steam coming out sometimes. It starts popping up and down, popping up and down before we see the water overflow because the heat is still on the same temperature. It's still on high heat. So if you're looking at your fingers and you're thinking about that pot lid and you're seeing them pop up and down a little bit, pop up and down a little bit, the lid popping up and down, popping up and down, then poof, it explodes off, just like we do when we're dysregulated. Now what does it take to put that lid back on the pot without all the mess all over the stove? We need to cool down, we need to come down, we need to regulate by using different tips and tools in order to find our calm and For some people, this means breathing. For other people, it might mean going for a run and coming to calm down. For other people, it might be getting down to the level of our child and just having eye contact with them and saying, I'm here for you. I'm here to understand. I'm here to connect to you. And in your mind thinking, I'm here to help them change their blueprint. I'm here to help them come up with different hints, tips, tools, techniques to be able to manage these big emotions, these bubbling up. So I'm going to give you a cool tip. When I work with kids, I call it a superpower to be able to manage these big emotions. Now, there was some research done by Seagal and Bryson back in 2012 that did some more exploring around this flipping the lid and the brain. What a really cool thing they came up with from their research was that the brain is not able to become angry and flip its lid and eat or drink at the same time. So when you can start seeing yourself or your child or your partner becoming a little bit angry or upset, you can start seeing the lid of the pot starting to bubble, some steam starting to come out the sides, offer them a drink. Come on, honey, let's go get a drink of juice. Come on, sweetie, let's go grab a cookie. Let's go grab a cracker. You know, let's go for for a little bit of a glass of water. Whether it's your clients, whether it's your kids, whether it's your partner, whether it's yourself, your brain cannot swallow and be angry at the same time. So I use this all the time with not only my children, myself, but with my clients, with people that I'm working with. It brings you back down to using your rational brain, having your fingers and your fingernails over your thumb, having the lid sitting calmly on the pot with the with temperature t- turned down too low to be able to have a bigger conversation about what is happening for us. So those are a couple of examples that I can give you in how you can help regulate So what else? What else can we do? How else can we find some of these supports? There's also counseling. Sometimes when we get into a place where our emotions are always feeling big, are always feeling high, are always feeling like we're bubbling over, sometimes we need to step out of our situation and work with somebody who might be a blank slate for example someone who is able to provide us with different tools different skills different tips than I'm providing you with here someone who's able to listen without any judgment and who's not going to explode when we're starting to feel overwhelmed because oftentimes if we're sitting with these big dysregulated emotions on a regular level or we're seeing that our children are being highly dysregulated more consistently and we're struggling with how to get into that place of engagement with them, it can often feel like suddenly we're carrying this 70, 80 pound backpack around with us. We just can't get that weight off of our shoulders and we need a little bit of extra support. So finding sometimes a counselor who can who can best help you out is, is something that is always an option for you. So I hope today's podcast has given you some new knowledge, some new hints and tips and tricks and ideas. And I would love to hear from you as well. I look forward to seeing you or hearing you in a couple of weeks time. Please make sure you share, you subscribe, give me a five star rating and have a fiercely fabulous day. thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to your fiercely fabulous life podcast. Be sure to share with any woman in your life who needs just a little bit more. Be sure to follow me on my socials and I look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye for now.